Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, a very exciting announcement up front, and that is Lunchbox Weekly News is back, finally. That's right, I got up my ass, and I finally found a suitable alternative to the to this thing called uberduck.ai that I was using, that basically gutted itself overnight one day, and I just couldn't do the show anymore. And if you wonder why I use a like an auto-generated like AI synthesized voice it's because I'm very bad at reading things into a microphone if you've noticed I take a lot of pauses and whenever you can tell whenever I'm looking at notes on this show because I the, the mic just go dead because I like that that's a lot of processing for me it just, it just is um but on that note the show is back you can look forward to five shows to five stories every week from Lunchbox Weekly News for the foreseeable future. Um, but definitely go check that out. It is literally the previous thing. It came out, if you're listening to this on Thursday when it comes out, it will have been Wednesday. It will be the immediate thing before um, because just the way I ended up scheduling it worked out that way. Go figure. But so we're back up to two podcasts a week with um, the Thursday edition this show and Lunchbox and Lunchbox Weekly News, which comes out every Wednesday. Um, but on that note, let's jump into what we're talking about today, and that's a little show called The Sacred Blacksmith. Anime considered. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. So, before I get into what I thought of, actually, immediate, I'm immediately getting into what I've thought of Sacred Blacksmith, but in a really odd roundabout way, because I actually didn't, not that I'm not going to finish this show, but I didn't feel the need to finish this show for a variety of reasons, chief of which was, I would, I've been gripped once again by Hunter x Hunter, because um, the folks over at, um, at Friends of the Table just launched their um, new Media Media Plus podcast, which is them just introducing each other's media that they like, and they're starting with Hunter x Hunter, and that's a great-ass show, so I'm like, I'll watch along, and then it's like I blacked out, and all of a sudden I was on, like, episode 51 or some shit. I've been watching a lot of Hunter x Hunter again, because I was given reason to, and I love that show. But, uh, as a result... Things like, and I've talked about this before with other shows, and I can't really remember the other show, although I did talk about it on the podcast. You could probably go find that episode pretty easily. The problem with Sacred Blacksmith is that it is, 
It's fine. It it it's just it's fine. It's not it's not offensively bad. It actually has some really confident moments and really confident world building pieces that you keep that like the show presents you with, and even kind of just like slides in front of you like, hey, check this shit out. The show is smart enough to do this thing. Isn't this interesting? But it's a it feels like an early aught. It feels like a pre-2010 inside of the bubble show, y'all. It feels like a thing that we probably shouldn't have gotten. But it's also like... It's from the era of, like, cute magical girls and everything. And, like, like a weird, etchy undertone for slightly no reason. Uh, it, it's a strange show. And the, and part of the reason why I want to talk about it was because I was struck by the fact that, like, my brain was just like, I don't want to watch that. I would prefer not to watch this. And the reason why is, is because, once again, it's not that it's bad. It's fine. It's not, it's like, it, it's, it's as inoffensive as one of these kinds of shows could be. It's not, it's like not, it's not, it's a fantasy show, but it doesn't have the kind of trapping and conversations around fantasy shows that we get now. Um, usually isekai shows, specifically. So, um, a big thing with isekais now is that there's always slavery in them. Which is just, which is just weird. But also, like I've said before, probably on this podcast, uh, there's cultural reasons that Japan has not been super taught, hey, slavery bad. <laughs> hey, maybe don't even use this as, like, a story device, because slavery bad. <laughs> Unless the story device is slavery bad. But, um, and that is similar to, um, the kind of fetishization of Nazi aesthetics in, like, Japanese culture, which is a real thing. Like, if you will go watch, um, that anime Wallflower, um, straight up, there are scenes where the main girl is just in a Nazi uniform because it's supposed to be sexy. And that, if you don't know what you're looking at... That, as an American, you're like, oh, oh, Jesus. Um, rightfully so. But just, like, in any event. Like, it, it doesn't have any of that stuff because it came much earlier than that stuff. It didn't come so much earlier. It didn't come earlier than, um, Sword Art Online, I believe. Um, although it may have. It may, may have been one of the many things that ran up towards that. But it's, it's not, it's not, it, it's, it's like, it's, it's not good, it's not bad, it's got, it's got the, it's got the fan, it's got the early 2000s fantasy show problem of like, it's aesthetics are weird. Like, it, it follows an internal logic, but only sometimes. So, a perfect example of this is our main, is our main, our ostensibly main character, the character who you're, 
supposed to be following. Um, Cecily Campbell is a newly minted royal guard, basically. And you see her uniform, and she's got a really molded, like, front chest plate that's got, like, that is that is the kind of front chest plate that like humans shouldn't wear because you get hit with a sword there and your sternum cracks because it's molded directly to your chest and has individual cups for your boobs. It's it it's a fantasy women's armor problem all in every way, shape, or form. But she also wears one shoulder guard and the other shoulder guard is just a bare shoulder. But that but the interesting thing is when you see other members of the Royal Guard in the show, they're wearing similar armor, but they have both shoulder guards, and they just have, like, a flat male breastplate. They have a flat normal breastplate. And also, Cecily is the only female Royal Guard you meet. At least at halfway through the show, where I kind of, like, was like, this is super not going anywhere real quick. Um, but... That suggests a really interesting thing, especially with the beginning of the story being that the only reason that Cecily is a royal guard at all is her father was a royal guard, and he died, so she took his place. So she's not even really supposed to be there, and the show makes a point of that by having, like, one of the first things that happens to the poor girl is her sword get just gets cut in half by a random vagrant hobo, like, murder crate. Murder, random vagrant murder hobo. At least you're, it's suggested that he's a random vagrant murder hobo. Um, but at, at first, but so you have all that. You have all that smart storytelling. You have all this smart building of this character in Cecily. But then they introduce uh, they quickly introduce a character named Luke Ainsworth, who is. Your other, who is, like, the male lead and also the, like, male love interest and all this other stuff. Who... Let me... Let me see if I can't, um, describe him to you. Because he's, he's on the front. He's on, like, the main poster, too. Like, he's one of the, he's one of the four main cast members. Luke is... And this has, this has very etchy harem vibes almost in a way but not but not um in the way that lots of shows from this time period have because like we're moving away from like the love hina paradigm and towards something less overtly weird <laughs> a little but um he He's got like a he's got like a ruffled collar and then like a shawl thing like a one-sided shawl situation and it it's an interesting character design because what it's trying to do is it's trying to be you know western medieval fantasy vibes but like also kind of invoke what a samurai would look like in this scenario if he just didn't look like a samurai if he had to wear like if he had to wear these like western um medieval slightly elizabethan slightly elizabethan clothes 
And then... And then you just have, um, like, weird choices. Weird, weird choices. You have Lisa, who uh, is kind of like a little ragamuffin for a little while. And then all of a sudden, they give her, like, a, an idol uniform, essentially. Like, she's got a big old red bow tie, like a black vest, and like a, like a white, a white, um a white undertop with, like, black piping and, like, a whole skirt situation. And, like, including a little hat. It's... So when I had, um, when I had Cosplay Fiend on, which you can go find the, um, interview I did with Cosplay Fiend, like, we, like, immediately bonded over, um, over this, over our, like, incredulity of how popular this show, um, called, I forget what it's called, um, called, like, I didn't finish this show because it was true trash, I think, called, called Akami Got Kill, and I apologize, this is your favorite show, it's just bad, I don't know what to tell you, but, like, his, his thing was that show, <laughs> and I didn't even, like, this crossed my mind, but there were so many other pressing issues to me with that show that, like, I just, I was like, oh, that's a thing, and I just moved to the side for other weirder things that were coming at me. Um, the main character in that show is wearing, like, shit you can buy from The Gap now. Like, it, it's wild. It's super weird. And it's supposed to be a, like, high fantasy... Um, like, high medieval fantasy setting. So, like, you've got, like, characters in period-appropriate clothing. You even have, like, a character with, like, a, um, Shingon dress. And she's supposed to be from China, and that's how they explain it. But then you have characters like the main character in that thing, who's just, like, hanging out in, like, golfing attire. It's real weird. And you have a lot of that here. So like you have, you have Lisa pretty, pretty quickly in the show getting this like weird idol costume, and then you have this character named Eris, who's just wearing a slutty belly dancer costume, basically, and it just all of it is so, it's so incongruous, and this show came out in two thousand nine, and what that tells me. Is that this was inside of the bubble. The bubble is largely regarded as like the year 2000 to 2010. If you don't know what the bubble is. The bubble is a period of time in which anime was like white hot. It was like. If you think the popu- if you think the perceived popularity of anime is insane now. Then it was considered to be like the new thing. The thing everybody wanted to get into. And so. The reason why it was called Bubble is stuff that shouldn't have, stuff that didn't have an audience here, stuff that didn't have a wide audience kind of period only had a niche audience, which would be fine if it was functioning in its core audience range in Japan, was just getting licensed. And was getting le- licensed le- left and right, and there was a practice called what, doing what's called attachment licensing, which if you don't know what that is, basically attachment licensing is let's say a company like Funimation goes to a, goes to a, um, Japanese publisher 
and goes to one of the Japanese partners and and they say they say say to Kodansha like okay we want or they say the same media factor okay we want um we want Dragon Ball V actually Dragon Ball V is a terrible choice but like let's say they go to a publisher and they say we want um Code Geass the publisher would then respond, and Code Geass is also, like, a big enough show, was a big enough show at the time where this probably wouldn't have happened, but they, they'll they say, okay, we will license you Code Geass, but we'll license it to you basically as part of a package. And that package needs to include these three other shows, and you'll pay this much for each show. If you don't like it, kick rocks, you don't get any of it. And so, lots of stuff was licensed and just almost dumped out because it was part of a contract and they were going after specific shows. They were trying to program and the Japanese side was just like, no, like, we fire sale this shit. Like, we, we, need to, we want to recoup money on this shit, so we're going to sell you, we're going to sell you what you want, but we're also going to sell you, like, air for no goddamn reason. And you got this, and that created this bubble of shows that were just, there was just too much in the, in the, there was too much in the system for how many people were watching at the time, even though there were more and more people watching until we get to now when anime is like a big enough, not even niche, section of media where like, you listen to my, you listen to my podcast, and I make, I have made real money from this podcast. I have made like I, when I bought a three D printer for the first time, the money I used to buy it was from the ad revenue on this podcast. Um, to give you an idea of like, and that was a while ago. Uh, it, it, there can be influencers who their entire careers are, this are, in this me in this medium of storytelling. And they do very well, like very, like pretty well. But long and short of it is, is like we weren't there yet in like 2009. We were getting there, but we weren't there yet. And then what ended up happening was the entire system was based on the idea that like if you wanted to watch these shows, you had to pay for the right. And then piracy and streaming showed up. Hilariously, Crunchyroll showed up. If you go listen to the, um, to the, um, news, to the weekly news show, literally the episode before this in the feed and whatever app you're using to listen to me right now, um, there's the very last story is about the, um, one of the founders of Crunchyroll stepping down. And they describe Crunchyroll as starting from humble beginning. What they mean by that is starting... Well, as a gray market pirate site that collated all of the that collated the good fan sub project into one place that you could just go. And I remember doing this. Like I remember seeing the horrible subs like sing on the bottom of stuff as it started playing. It, that it, that was how Crunchyroll got started. Eventually, once again, I've told this. I've told this tale a bunch of times. They eventually got um, BCC, BC Money, 
I think from Washington, D.C., actually, not even um, California. But they eventually got B.C. money, and then they emptied out the entire service and started adding stuff back in as they got the legal licenses. And started doing their own subs and eventually dubs and the rest of history. But the reason why I'm telling you all this is because this is... This is the shape of the anime world when Sacred Blacksmith comes out. And Sacred Blacksmith is done, like, hilariously and really interestingly by Monglobe. Monglobe of the, like, Monglobe of Samurai Champloo and, like, God, they've got a lot of weird stuff. And, like, gangsters. Gangsters famously kind of killed Monglob. Um, like, not it specifically, but, like, the way everything happened didn't help. But, like, Monglob has made some really interesting stuff. They made Ergo Proxy. They made, um, Samurai Champloo. Um, they made... They made... They made Gangsta. And... The fact that they also... They made... Samurai Flamenco. The fact that they also made... This thing? It's just... Real weird. It's just real weird. It shows you... The kind of... Range... People were producing stuff on... At the time. Especially at the time. And... As a result... This show just wasn't very good. And that's the other thing. It's like, it didn't need to be very good. And I'm not saying everything needs to be for everybody. Everything needs to be Akira or Prince Monoki or the original Ghost in the Shell. I'm not saying that, like, everything needs to be heart-stoppingly gorgeous and amazing. That just can't be. But it... These show these kinds of shows started to blend together, and one of the reasons why one of the reasons why Sword Art Online hit so hard was because it had any personality. And I know that sounds weird, and the reason why people love, including me, things like um, Log Horizon is because that show is like. Take the same concept as, um, as Sword Art Online and injects more personality and more, way more intelligence into the entire concept of it. But, Sword Art, um, Sword Art Online's popularity spawned, like, a, and this is not an isekai show, I should put that out there immediately, it's just not. It's a normal fantasy, you know. Fantasy harem, fantasy harem thing. Um, it's set up the Sword Art Online's popularity and the like mass behind it and like the massive popularity it had set up this scenario where shows that emulated it in some way were seen as being probable successes. And you look at, if you look at Store Online, you, and you look at this show, you get a lot of, like, 
the low-key harem vibes. You get a lot of the, like, all the girls interested in the one slightly shit in the one very shitty dude vibes. You get the, like, kind of very into himself, but also very good at what, at fighting main male lead vibes. It did a lot of short our own line in the sacred blackness. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And then there's all the other stuff. There's like... There, there are really great attempts at world building. Like the details I mentioned up front about... Um, Cecily's armor being a very... Being a like... An unknowledgeable variation on the actual good armor that all of the... That all of her essentially male co-workers male peers wear as part of the uniform um you get the like detail about Cecily's sword being broken and like like that being her family sword and it being like not suitable for the battlefield kind of thing that's all really interesting and it, it's genuinely interesting it's like oh wow they they put a lot of thought into this like this was not this was not a half cocked thing like they they put like that is that is a lot of world building for a kind for this kind of show that generally doesn't need to fucking do it it doesn't need to do it it's nice when it does but it like the lots of these kinds of like slightly etchy harem esque medieval fantasy shows just think they just don't do that shit or they do it to like the bare minimum degree, like, you gotta go defeat the demon lord or something. But the problem is that they don't just have that. They also have gotta go defeat the demon lord. And, like... Listen, I know it's hard to make... To have original thoughts. To be... To stay ahead of that curve. Or to do so, 
or to always do something and not everybody's going to do something profound with what that is but if you look at something like um reincarnate like the like the show called like one room hero and like demon lord or whatever or even the devil the part-timer which is actually a better idea that those shows are born out of anime fans having fought the same fucking thing kind of over and over again for decades having encounter having a base understanding of what someone means when they mean Demon Lord, when they say Demon Lord for plot reasons. And flipping it on its head. And they're taking all of that stuff and they're doing something and they're subverting it and doing something completely out of left field with it. Now, those shows include it, especially from what I hear about the third season of um, The Devil the Part-Timer. Um, they can spin out and it can get super weird and super uncomfortable. Like, to, not uncomfortable because it's, like, grossing you out, but uncomfortable because it's just, like, it's gone down such a rabbit hole that it's not, it's not even close to as entertaining as it was, as it was when it first started. But, that, A, that takes a lot longer to have that occur than something like this. But, B... Just because there's a preset understanding of what something looks like, of what, of how story beats function, doesn't mean that 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 that's all you can include. What what I mean there is, uh, most of what this show is doing, it's a standard. The demon lord is coming back after forty years, although the forty years, the like. The fact that this show exists in a world where they have living memory of the Demon Lord and like they're still they're still kind of dealing with like the scraps of the problem, um, and then all of a sudden he's back and he's doing weird shit, um, is interesting. But like the there's not enough there, and the reason why I know that is because this show just didn't hold my attention for long enough. I. This show has been following me around for, like, nigh on a decade. Since, since it was released, I've known if, of its existence. And I've just never watched it because I was like, Oh, that's there. That'll probably be there forever. Whatever. And then I went and watched it. And similar to Akami Got Kill, which I also, like, knew knew of for many years. but did, And I'm sure this is somebody's favorite show, um, Sacred Blacksmith. More than a couple people's favorite show, probably. I just didn't... I didn't watch him. Um, probably because they were, by, the by that time in anime, I was in a much different place than the general American fandom. Now, another thing you have to realize about anime, and this is probably still true today, is the average tenure of an Ameri of an American hardcore anime fan, like somebody's in it and they're in it for for, for keeps, is two years. Like they usually people come come in and go out within two years of like the main like this is what they're about fandom. And 
that's why you see a lot of the hype cycle that you see around things like um, Attack on Titan, JJK, that kind of stuff. Like that hype cycle is so furious because they, because everybody, including me, knows that shit. So they're just gonna be out there and trying to like get eyeballs on their stuff for like for that from that rotating like blob of fans. But there are also fans like me who have been watching for decades, and did that include people like? Cosplay scene that includes most of the most of the people who are most of the people who are serious influencers at this currently probably have more than two years of fandom under their belt. You might catch a couple who are like pretty new, but you'll be able to tell in some pretty drastic ways. For example, when I watch, and I'm not, I, I get the sense that they've been watching. For, both of them have been watching for a while. When I watch um, Otaku's Anonymous, the like probably probably they're probably right the probably the number two pod anime podcast on YouTube right now. I get the sense of like, oh, you just don't know. <laughs> you don't. You have no. So I was watching one of the episodes a while, um, probably a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think probably um, two weeks ago, but um, Nick, one of the two hosts, said like, "Yeah, I, I don't know how many of how many of our viewers have seen the Neon Genesis Evangelion," and like, I felt like I was turning into dust and blowing away in the wind because, like, to say that, it's like, oh, we have we have crossed some sort of Rubicon and it's and the world's weird again. The world's somehow weirder now than it was five seconds ago. Like the the idea, the sheer the sheer nugget of an idea that people have not seen Ava. In and you are in anime in any way is so bizarre to me. Like that, that there that there was a time in my career of being a fan where that just did, that was literally impossible. Like yeah. If you showed up and you said, I would like to be an otaku now, please. Somebody hurled three, th- hurled two things at your head. They hurled Cowboy Bebop at your head. They just hurled a fucking tape deck box set at your face. And they were like, also, also, you will not emotionally be okay after this. And they would slide another, like, section of tapes or DVDs across the table like, watch this. Do not ask questions. Just watch it. Let it melt your brain and then reconstitute it and then melt it again. Just watch the show. And the reason why I say that is because that hype cycle has kind of caused shows like this to, yes, have rabid fandoms, I'm sure. But also not not be very not be very well known anymore and I and so there's a there's a like trendy thing now and that to call somebody's favorite show mid but most shows by today's standard are probably better than this like so for example um the last season of 
um, Demon Slayer. Would not my thing, really. I, I tried. I tried. It was better than this. By miles. Just because of... Just because of the sheer... Industry knowledge that... Was brought onto that thing. And I know I'm comparing basically apples to oranges. Because... Demon Slayer is a big prestige project. This was... One of many shows in the year 2009. That just kind of came out. Um, it was it was a great project for the people who worked on it. I'm sure. But it was not like... It... You can tell from watching the show that this was not, like, ghost in the shell levels of budget and, you know, prestige. It was somebody doing their best. It was, it was a team doing their best and doing a pretty good job. But the, the reason why I think it's important to remember these shows is because these shows still exist. They're still fucking out there. Assassination Classroom from a couple years ago, from a handful of years ago. Falls probably into this quality range. You know, like, the, people are so stunned that there's not many good shows coming out right now. And that's because a lot of the shows that are coming out right now feel akin to something like this. And we've all forgotten what watching something like The Sacred Blacksmith feels like. We've all forgotten that, like... We've all forgotten the feeling of, like, Watching a less good Sora Online with a serial number <laughs> kind of show. We've forgotten what that what that means, what it means to like experience that thing. And I'm not somebody who like I'm somebody who has modes of either I watch what I like or I want something that is so trashy. So incredibly just deep trash that I'm just like, sign me up, governor. And when I say deep trash, I mean like, I I get the urge sometimes to just watch a cheese in the Queen's Blade. Um, I, I mean trash. But the thing about something like Queen's Blade and the thing about something like Sacred, like Sacred Blacksmith is Sacred Blacksmith did not go hard enough to get remembered in the same way that something like Queen's Blade did. Like, Queen's Blade commits to its weirdness. Uh, in, in the same way that something like, um, the seven deadly sin, the seven, um, the seven mortal sins, or whatever that, um, like, deeply etchy, um, show from a while, from a bunch of years back did. Like, that, that sticks in your head because it committed to, like, its grossness. Um, the, this show is much more like, are you 14? Would you like to see a pair of boobs? Do you mind if we draw them and don't take a picture of them? And you're like, yes, I'm 14. And they're like, okay, here's some boobs. Every once in a while, we're just going to give you some boobs or some, like, some suggestions of there are some boobs here. And it, it's, it's inoffensive, but... The thing about working with, like, etchy material is... I'm not saying that I want everything to go, like, fucking interspecies reviewers on everybody. That was... that Interspecies reviewers were wild. I have the whole show. I've seen the whole show. I have it on Blu-ray. Because it is a piece of, like, anime history. Because they got one over 
on Funimation real hard. They basically were like, yeah, I know we said etchy, but what if we straight up made porn? What if we made porno? And try and just try to say, what if etchy? Oh, which is wild. Wild. Oh, just wild. I'm not saying everything needs to do that, but like... The way you can do the kind of like... The kind of lewdness of this show, I think. Because they, they have like... At some point, everybody sees Cecily's boobs in this show. Pretty early on. And then, um... The little girl is just like... She reckon she straight up um Lisa recognizes that like Luke and Cecily are into each other, but they're both hard headed assholes who refuse to who just refuse to like let them their walls down. And so she straight up starts calling attention to Cecily's chest at every given point she can. She's just like, Yeah, you know what's big? Cecily's tits. And like it, it makes Cecily uncomfortable. Luke just gives it this look like the fuck. And it's just like... It's this playful jab at lewdness. It doesn't work. And I... Don't get me wrong. I am not above some, like, real lewd shit. I am out here watching, um... Jobless reincarnation every seat, every episode. They, straight up this week, they had him do like a light jerk session on screen. Like you, it took me five. I'm like, wait. He jumped, he definitely just attempted to spank the monkey and was satisfied with the results. It, he's trying to cure ED in the storyline. It, it 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 tracks, but it's also weird. Um, I'm not saying you need to go full that shit. Or you need to have a character who just fall on a slut. Like, um... Elise Dragon Road from that show. But... This kind of thing doesn't feel like... Anybody's here for it. It feels like something that if presented with it and you didn't know it was coming, you'd be like, okay. But it doesn't feel like it's... Like, people are showing up because we're like... I want the boob comments from the little girl. <laughs> and... The whole thing just... Uh, the whole thing feels transitional in a way that didn't... That stuff since it certainly doesn't. But stuff in its ilk, stuff in its time period, definitely does. Um, on that note... Um, on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday, and currently are coming out every Thursday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday. Wednesday is the new show, which is now back once again. You can go listen to the show just before this, and it's the it's the weekly new show back in fourth. Um, and that is five stories that I think everybody should pay attention to in anime from the week. I try and dig and find stories that are not just like, oh, this voice actor joined this cast, or trailer for this dropped. Although I do do some of that. I do do, like, for example, a story I included was Kimini Todoke 
which is a notable, um, like, early to mid-aughts, um, rom, romance drama show is getting a third season miraculously. It's a good show, miraculously, and it's going to Netflix. Like, that's, that's wild enough where I'm like, I'm putting this shit in. I also put in, um, one of the, another one of the stories was straight up freaking Blue Exorcist is coming back in 2024. <laughs> like, the, a groundhog saw its shadow and we get more Blue Exorcist. Who knows why? Who knows why? Um, so, like, I will do announcements like that where it's, like, it's notable that something is happening with the property at all, but I'm not trying to be out here being, like, surprise, JJK is coming back for a fourth season or whatever the fuck. Because we all know that shit. Like, we don't need to be told that shit. It's fun when we see it, but it's not, like, we're not, it's not a surprise. It's not news in the way that, like, the stuff about Hayao Miyazaki basically being fuck you on making movies still is. But, um, so that's the news show. But the Thursday show is like this. It's talking about a show or series that I've watched or partially watched in this case. Um, and giving my thoughts on it. But if you liked it, definitely don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And give it a five-star rating over on iTunes, over on Apple Podcast, or wherever you choose to listen. It really helps the show. Um, and let your friends know about it, because that also helps the show. On that note, I will talk to you on Wednesday. On Thursday. I won't be the one talking on Wednesday. <laughs>